Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're continuing our study through the pastoral epistles of 1 Timothy right now. We're going to eventually get to 2 Timothy and then eventually to Titus. So we're going to cover three major books. Um, I don't know how long. It just depends on how quickly you can listen. It's not that I can't preach fast enough. It's that you guys aren't listening fast enough. Is that part of my probation, Pam? <laughs> oh, I'm out of control. Um, well, today we're going to look at the qualifications for elders. Um, great, great passage. And the calling to be an elder or a pastor or an overseer, it's a high calling. It is not a trivial calling. It is not just something that, well, maybe I'm, I'll do this if i got nothing else to do. This is a high calling and potentially one of the highest callings in the world. You say, Caleb, why do you think that? Because pastors are messengers for God. In fact, that, exact, that is exactly what the, the title that is given to pastors in the book of Revelation. You might say, well, wait a second, pastor. The, the title in that text is angel. I didn't see the word pastor. I saw the word angel in Revelation. Well, let's look at that a little bit deeper. Angel simply means angelos or messenger. So it, when he says that he is preaching or he, the, the, the text is talking to the angel at the church of Philippi or the angel at the church of Laodicea or the, 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 all these different angels... He is referring to the messenger or the pastor. We have this, this amazing um, privilege to stand behind this sacred desk and to study and to proclaim God's message to humanity. And so when you see the word angel in the text, it is messenger. So technically, Pam, you could call me angel. I'm just... Hey. <laughs> Romans chapter 10 verses 13 through 15 talks about pastors and preaching and I, I love this text because it has such vitality as such potency and the as it starts in verse 13 it says for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and then verse 14 continues it says how will they call on him on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news so we see here that pastors preachers carry a beautiful message so God's word tells us that those who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ walk in such a way and carry a message that is absolutely beautiful to behold. I mean, I want us to think about this. Think about it. We hold the only message in the world that brings life everlasting. No other religion preaches 
such a beautiful message. You're a mess, you're horrible, you're wicked, but Jesus comes for you anyways. Every other religion is you've got to do something to try to appease a deity. Christianity, biblical Christianity, preaches the message that there is nothing you can do to appease God. So God comes down in human flesh and appeases himself. You don't have to do anything. God did all the heavy lifting and all you have to do is trust and believe. Trust and obey. Trust and believe. That's the idea. the best news that could ever be heralded. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that tells us what an elder does tells us what an elder or a pastor is to do starting in verse 1 Peter says so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge but set the example to the flock this is how pastors should be This is what men of God are called to do for the body of Christ. We're called to shepherd. That was in fact that was the the verse that I used yesterday when I spoke at the Awanas conference in Wichita. Talked about shepherding the whole flock. This is what is what does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects. A shepherd helps the flock find green pastures. He's 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 to guide them, to give them direction. Furthermore, in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 5, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Now, I, Pastor Caleb, is not the primary shepherd. You may say, well, you're our shepherd here. Yes, that is true, but I'm not the primary shepherd. The, The primary shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the chief. He's the highest. He's top shelf. I am what is called an under-shepherd. I report to the primary shepherd. I'm not, I'm not over him. He is over me. I am not anything outside of God's authority. Listen, I have, listen, I have no authority outside of the Word of God. I am under the Lord's authority and I am not to do anything outside of God's authority. That is why I stick to God's word and what God's word says. And I don't claim and I never will claim to have a fresh word or fresh vision. Any pastor who says I've got a fresh word or a fresh vision is probably a charlatan. If it, as Adrian Rogers used to say, if, it, if it's new, it ain't true. If it's new, it ain't true. We have all the revelation we need from God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 continues. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves with all 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. An elder or a pastor, we're as, as a pastor and elder, we're called to be humble with our office. We're not to be prideful. We're not to be arrogant. And listen, that sometimes can be a difficult task. It can because we've been given information from God's word. We've studied and we sometimes, knowledge can puff up. But love builds up, Right? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from becoming arrogant. To keep him humble, he was given some type of a, a, a thorn in the flesh. We do not know what that thorn was, but we know that it was so bad that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul asks Jesus to remove it three separate times. That's how bad. It wasn't just a, hey Lord, will you take care of this, Lord? It was a begging or pleading with God to remove this thorn from him. But Jesus answers him in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and says that his grace is sufficient to keep and to carry him. So the question in 2023 is, who then can be an elder? Who can be a pastor? There's a lot of debate over who can be a pastor, who can be an elder, who can carry this office. There's a lot of debate in churches. There's a lot of divide over this. And this is the and the reason I think we have such a divide is because we've not stuck with the word of God. We've not paid attention. We've not poured over the text. We've just said, well, I think, I believe, I feel, and I'm telling you, those are dangerous places to be if you're not connected in to the scriptures. So the scriptures must tell us what to do. So in saying that, flip back over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're finally there. Verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, he desires a noble task. So we see here that the office of pastor or elder or overseer is exclusively, it is a noteworthy and a noble task. And we'll see here, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So here we see the first mention of gender in this role. That this office is exclusively for men. You say, well, now, how, Caleb, how do you know that for sure? This is why we keep reading the text. It's not just, and Paul didn't make a mistake and just throw that in by accident. It's there for a reason. Not, not just any man can do it. You say, well, Caleb, so you're saying only men can be pastors? Yes, but God's word's even more narrow than that. There are certain men that are not allowed to have this office. Not just any man is allowed to walk in here and be a pastor. Paul gives strict, granular guidelines on who can be an elder. Let's start in verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert, 
or he may become puffed up and conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snares of the devil. All right, let's go back and look at some of these things. Verse 2 says, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and above, and able to teach. Above reproach. He's not a man who is prone to scandals. He's not a scandalous man. He's not a man who is embroiled in scandals constantly. They don't follow him around. He is a man who is above reproach. He is a man of integrity. He's not someone who is in trouble for shady activity. He is a man who desires to pursue holy activities. That's the first thing. The husband of one wife. Now we see by this statement that only men can be a pastor. A woman cannot be a husband. I know that we live in 2023 and everybody wants to try to say that they can, but a woman is a wife. A woman is not a husband. The Greek word used for this statement here, and now that you see this text where he says, the husband of one wife, the Greek word used here is one, a one woman kind of man or a one woman man. This means that he's not running a harem. He's not got a whole... I know that there are certain cults, I'm not even going to call them denominations, there are certain cults that believe that ministers can have multiple wives. They're mainly in Saint in, uh, in uh, Utah. It's the primary place where that happens. Somewhere in Vegas, occasionally in Vegas that happens with a couple of those folks in the Mormon church. And I use the word church loosely. Um, they believe that, that ministers or elders are supposed to have multiple wives. Well, no, 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 no. That elders are to have one wife. Don't be running a harem. You don't run around all this. You don't have a bunch of women running around in your house. He loves and cherishes his wife only. This ties back to not being embroiled in scandals. If you look at all these guys who have multiple wives, they've got scandals, crazy scandals. My wife, I'm going to be honest, I'll be honest uh, I'm willing to tell secrets of my wife from the pulpit. She used to love to watch that show called Sister Wives. And she, she didn't like it from the standpoint of, oh, this is amazing. She just was like, this is shocking that these many women would allow one man, you know, she said, That's, this is crazy. She said, I'll never share you. <laughs> right? That's just not an option. And I just and, and if you look at now that guy's life, if you Google that guy and those quote unquote sister wives, that he's embroiled in scandals. He's not a man of faith. He's a man of carnality. He's a man who loves his flesh. He's a man who pursues his flesh. So an elder is not is a man who is not to pursue or gratify his flesh in this way. He's to be Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Like there are some pastors, I've listened to them. They should not be pastors. They're not able to teach. They don't stick to what the word is. I'll never forget how to, there was a guy in Bartlesville, I watched him online for a little bit. 
and he was preaching and he said, I've got seven tips on how to be enthusiastic for the Lord. And never really focused much on the word. He just talked about it was a, it was a self-help talk and it lasted about 10 minutes. An elder should be able to open the word and exposit the word to the congregation. He's, and he's sober-minded. He's got a mind that is able to be sober. He's not crazy in his head. He's, he's rational. He's, got, he's able to think. He's self-controlled. That's all these tie together. He's, res, he's, he's respectable. Woo, hospitable. He actually, he actually likes his people. I've known some pastors that don't really like their churches. That's a weird one too. You should love your people. I didn't listen. I didn't say you're always going to like them. They're always going to have, but you're always going to love them. Let me just ask husbands and wives. Tyler, does does Kylie always love? Do always like you? Not always. Do you? Do you always like her? No. There's going to be moments where you may not like each other, but you still love one another. You still love one another. Alan, amen. There may be days where you don't. Maybe I mean, I'm just. I don't like you right now, but guess what? I still love you. There are days where Jamie doesn't always like me. But man, she still loves me. Amen? So we're supposed to love our people here. Verse 3 says, He's not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. All these go hand in hand. Starting Seriously, all these tie together. But one of the first steps in this is... He, he does not go down the path in just overabundance of alcohol. Now, I'm not a teetotaler. I'm not the guy, that, I'm not your pastor that says, listen, drinking's bad. You should never have an ever. Uh, scripture says don't get drunk. I'm not a teetotaler, anti-alcohol guy. Now, my dad was. But if you knew my dad's story, my dad was a raging alcoholic before Jesus. So, when he dropped alcohol, I mean, he cold turkey poured everything down the drain and never touched it again till the day he died. In fact, he was so sick, we went and got him a bottle of wine and tried to give it to him, and he about threw that thing across the room. He got mad. He said, I will never touch that again. I'm not a teetotaler. But I am a man of the book who says, don't be a drunk. Don't slobber around falling down in your, in your front yard looking like a crazy maniac. Because all these are tied together. If you're a drunk, you're not gentle. If you're a drunk, you're, most of the time you can be violent. You can get angry. You can be, people can become way more angry when they're drunk. People will do stupid things when they're drunk. Anybody ever done something stupid when they were drunk? Confession's good for the soul. Amen? Your, your pastor has. Just so you know. There was a day and a time when I did try that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to do No, 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 no. But these things are all tied together. I'm a man who believes that we are not to be a slave to this thing called alcohol. When alcohol rules us and controls us so much of our lives, we cannot be effective in our witness in doing what God's called us to do. Notice... There are, it starts, notice how it starts. So often we hear stories of drunks who are violent and fight. These are all tied together. If you can't handle the drink, then don't touch it. Stay away from it. 
Stay away from it. And if you're aspiring to be an elder, man, don't. Don't be a drunk. Don't be violent. Don't be quarrelsome. Don't, don't be looking for a fight. There, I know some guys, especially it happens with young pastors, they're always looking for a fight. They're always looking for a quarrel. They're always looking for some way to just jump in and hold to, you know. And, and listen, there are certain things to make war on biblically. But man, most of the time, our fights are over silly things. Just don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. He's not a lover of money. If you're in the ministry, listen, if you're in the ministry to try to get rich, it ain't going to happen. Unless, and, and if you are, number one, if you're in, you're in the wrong business, and secondly, if you are getting rich in the ministry, there's probably some problems. I, I've seen the prosperity gospel, guys, where guys like Jesse Duplantis will stand in his church and brag about the size of his house to his congregation. Saw that this last week. Stood while he held the sacred book called the scriptures and bragged about how many square feet his house is with a giant fence around it while his parishioners shoveled money into his bank account. God have mercy on that man's soul. He is preaching a false gospel and is benefiting materially off of his people. And that is wicked. That is wicked. He's not a lover of money. Money is... Now listen. Money in and of itself is not evil. It does not say the root of evil... The scripture does not say the root of evilness is money. It's just the, the love of money. Like, you know what we could do? PJ and I and, and a couple other of these fellas, Darryl, we could, you know, we could shovel in mounds of $100 bills and we could stack them to the ceiling. And that money would never commit a crime. It would just sit in the room. Now, those that were trying to get into this room, if we locked it, they would be doing some sinful things to try to get to it. Amen? So the love of money. Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. When you have the love of desire, you do things, whatever you can, to try to get your hands on it. Whether it's legal or illegal. Money isn't the evil. It's the love of money. And it will cause all kinds of problems in your life. And if you're a man who wants to follow Christ and wants to proclaim the gospel, you cannot let money rule you. Because money... I know too many pastors who are weak-kneed and spineless sausage backs and they will not cover certain things in the Bible because of they're worried about their paychecks. They're worried, well, they might not, they may, they may take my money away from me. So what? I'll keep preaching the truth. Keep standing on the Word of God. God is sufficient. God is the, the sovereign king. He'll take care of you. Preach the word in season and out of season. Don't let money become the driving factor of how you preach, man. Verse 4. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his household, how can he care for God's church? Valid question. I've seen and known pastors who have had 
horrible children. In fact, what's the joke? Oh, you're a pastor's kid? Mm, you know those pastor's kids. Well, here's a side note. You know why the pastor's kids are so bad, right? It's because they hang out with the deacon's kids. It's a joke. Calm down, folks. Calm down. It was just a joke. But I've known so many pastors who, I, who genuinely do have horrible children. Like genuinely horrible children because they have forsaken their kids to do ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 tells us if we don't take care of our families, we are worse than an unbeliever. And that does not only apply to finances. That applies to so much more than finances. This is connected to the spiritual well-being as well. We as pastors, we as elders, must also pastor our homes. And I will say personally, pastors should be pastoring their homes primarily first and then take care of the church. Why can I say that? Because the text says, if you can't take care of your home, how in the world can you manage the church of God? How can you take care of the church of God if you have children in your home and you say you love and pastor your church, but you neglect your children's spirituality and you ignore them and they become heathen pagans? That's, that's a problem. That was... One of the things I, as a pastor, as, as, a, in, as I jumped into ministry, I always wanted my kids to be a part of what I did. When we traveled, anytime we traveled for the most part, not always for the most part, sometimes when I travel, I'll take mama with me, it's just me and mama. Because sometimes I need to minister to her too. Right? I need to check her pulse. But when I travel, the majority of the time, these fellas are with me. Hannah and Gabe used to go with me. Now, now listen, they're outside of my, they're outside of my house now. I, that's, I manage my household. Once they go start their own household, Hannah and Cayman, that's their own house. They're going to work on that. That's, he's under, he's the authority of his house. I'm not the authority of Cayman and Hannah's house. Any, uh, that's not my job. They have their own house now. Under my house, I got rules. I got I got set up plans here. I got this is what we're going to do. Now, I'm not perfect at it. My boys are here. They can tell you dad's not perfect. But I'm striving for these things. I want to make sure that they're spiritually healthy. Try to check their pulse. There's things that, listen, my boys aren't perfect. And they can tell you dad's not perfect either. But we, we're striving towards godliness and righteousness. But I've seen so many pastors who throw their kids to the wayside to do ministry, and man, I think that is a bad, bad thing and should not be done. Verse 6, he must, be, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. So being a recent convert to Christianity, that's a great thing. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. But listen, a recent convert should not become a pastor because why? you got to get some mileage on you. You gotta get some mileage. You can't get guys that are brand new saved and be like, hey, why don't you preach for us? Uh, I don't. Start them slow. If, they, if, they, if, they, if they're a recent convert and they're really wanting to get after it, get their toes wet. Come and, come and serve in Awanas. 
Come minister to some of these kiddos. Get a hold of get, get involved in a Sunday school class if you're a recent guy. Start slow. If you've got a desire to want to be in the ministry, start slow. You don't jump up and be like, listen, I need to be a televangelist right now. No. Because if you're, listen, if you're jumping on, because listen, what can happen is the majority of the time when you're preaching, when you get done, people are like, oh, pastor, that was so good. That was great. They, you can become conceited. And secondly, sometimes you can get some people that are going to be like, listen, I hated your sermon. I don't like how you preach. And you, you, can't, you can't let what people's opinions of you do determine how you preach. Because if you become arrogant, because, oh, golly, I'm pretty good at this. Or, golly, I'm just, people don't like how I'm preaching. People don't like me. Oh, man. I'll never forget, I, I was doing itinerant traveling ministry. I preached at this church in Dewey, Oklahoma. And I got done preaching, and this older lady came down with her walker, and she just shook my hand. She goes, I was, when I saw who was preaching this morning, I almost left, because I really am not a fan of you. Cool. She goes, but you changed my mind. Your sermon was pretty good. <laughs> okay. I think that was a compliment. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But you can't, listen, if I had just been saved two weeks prior and somebody said that, I would have been like, golly, that... You got to get some training under you. That's the reason, listen, I'm going next weekend or next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm going to go to a three-day expository preaching academy for three days to try to, I want to hone my craft. I want to, I want to, I want to get better at this. I want it for the edification of the saints. I'm going to do this now because, well, I, I want to get my, get my name out there. I don't, I don't care about that. I want to be able to preach the word well to my flock and shepherd the people I've got. That's what I want to do. So don't be a recent convert. Don't be a recent convert. Verse 7. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snares of the devil. Now, so what this is saying is to be a man above reproach. This ties back to don't be embroiled in scandals. Be a man of integrity. Not that outsiders must like you at all times, but rather, as a Christian elder, you should be a man who's known to be a righteous man. You're to be a man who stands up for what's right. A man who stands on biblical principles. It is not to say that pastors placate to the world in order to gain their approval. But rather... What it's saying is that pastors should be a beacon of godliness to the outside world. Should be a man who over time has been a man who has been proven to love the scriptures, to love God, and to love God's people. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of God, and on the law he meditates. On God's law he meditates both day and night. A man who does this is a man who is truly blessed. He is a man of blessing. So an, an elder or a man who brings the message of God's good news to, of Jesus Christ, not only with his mouth, but he's to bring it with his life. He, he uses his mouth and his life as a testimony of who God is. 
What a blessing. What an honor. What a privilege to be able to carry this task. And once again, this is a, an exclusive... You say, well, Caleb, I, I know so many churches that have women pastors. What do you think about women pastors? I think it's a disgrace. I think that uh, that is an unbiblical church. And I know that that is not a popular stance. But it's the truth of what God says. This is who can be an elder. A qualified man who loves the word and loves his family and loves his church and loves his community. I'm th- Listen, it's a blessing and an honor to be able to do this. It is a privilege to do this. And I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to be here and to minister to this group of people. I'm thankful that the Lord saw fit to open the door for me to be able to come here and to preach the good news of the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we're seeing this, the fruits of this. It's slow. And listen... A lot of times what pastors can do is we can get discouraged because we don't see immediate responses or we don't see immediate growth. October, I'll be here four years. Does that seem like, does this seem like four years? Well, it, is, it feels like 45 years, but uh, it's been four years. And listen, we're, it's been progressive and slow, but that's sanctification. Progressive sanctification is a slow process. It takes time to grow people in the Word. We didn't get here overnight, amen? It takes time. And so it is an honor and a privilege to be able to do this. And so, I love you. I love you enough that I want to stick in here and stick in the Word and just go verse by verse, word by word, and say, Thus saith the Lord. Like Adrian said, if it ain't, if it's true, it ain't, or if it ain't, if it's new, it ain't true. I, I want to stick. I wanna, I'm a man of the book. I want to be a man of the book, pastoring a people of the book. That's what I want. That's what we should. That's what we should all want. Amen. Let's stand together.